If your network is your net worth, then networking events should be absolute gold mines for investors, but that's rarely the case. Truly effective networking is a systemic process that many just don't have down. Today's guest, Taylor Koo, talks about his specific and systemic networking tips to maximize his networking efforts and create deep relationships with potential partners. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy, managing partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital, a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors. Welcome back to another episode of Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate. Today, I'm sitting down with Taylor Koo. Now, Taylor is an investor relations associate at PassiveInvesting.com and has been hitting his stride early in his investment journey. He's also a fellow podcaster and host of the Multifamily Artist Podcast. And Taylor, we're really excited to have you here and pick your brain a little bit. Oh, a pleasure to hop onto the show. Thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate your time for having me on. Yeah, of course. So something that kind of stuck out with me when we first connected is actually something that a lot of investors do and some are good at it, some aren't, but you are mm-hmm. a really, really good networker. I mean, you're just really good at that kind of stuff. Thank you. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I it's, appreciate it. It's, Stop it's, it. Some, it's something that everybody does, your network, net worth, all those kinds of things. There's a lot of sayings about it. So a lot of people do it, but I feel like not a lot of people are as successful at it. And a lot of people kind of stop doing it because maybe they mm-hmm. don't see the results that they're looking for. So can you kind of tell us about your take on networking and you know what kind of things you've seen success with? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when I was wanting to learn more about this industry and just learning about what other investors are doing, I feel like a huge buzzword that a lot of people were talking about is just adding value. Oh, just adding value, adding value, adding value, make sure you're adding value to everybody. And I think that's really cool. But also when you jump into a conversation, when you first meet somebody and then somebody asks you like, Hey, how can I add value to you? I mean, oftentimes you don't really know how to answer that because I think inherently as humans, we don't really think about what we need in the first place. And so when we go out and learn and network with people, I always find it genuine just to ask them questions about who they are, what they're doing, and then also what are their investment goals. And in a way, just like having a genuine curiosity into what the other person is doing and investing their time into that person. I think it speaks just volumes. What about the events that you go to? I mean, there's more in-person events now, but there's still a lot of virtual ones, some in-person ones, some are free, some are paid. What kind of events do you like? Do you like to go to real estate events or multifamily events, or do you think they're a little saturated? Or I guess what's your strategy for picking where you're going to spend your time? I think that would depend on if I'm looking for passive investors and then also if I'm looking to, I guess, be an active operator. Mm -hmm. And so when I was trying to be more on the active side and I was still working a W-2 job that was unrelated to real estate, I would be hopping into those virtual meetups. I mean, it was also in the middle of COVID too. So it's not like I could have gone to a lot of those physical meetups, but in those virtual meetups though, I could hop into them. And I think there's still some groups that do it. You can hop into any of the meetups like across the country. But the one thing that people really don't do is reaching out after that meetup. So I would literally just take names down, find them on LinkedIn, find them on Facebook and just spark a conversation saying like, Hey, I would love to learn more about you and your investment goals. And then we would talk for about 30 minutes. I mean, some of these people were pretty well-established operators as it is. 
So people were generally open to just having that conversation. I mean, it's so big establishing that relationship afterwards, because sometimes you go to a networking event and you meet so many people, you're like, I don't even remember who I met. So in the virtual events, you're just kind of taking notes as you talk to them. Do you have any tips for when you're in person and it might be kind of tough to do that? I was actually thinking about this and this isn't really in like any books or anything like that, but I recently just came back from best every conference. And so I was just collecting business cards and I know people have like QR code too. And it's cool. Like, Oh, Hey, nice seeing you. But then oftentimes there's not really that follow-up afterwards, or maybe there's that text later that day within the conference. Now I tried something very, very recently when I got back and it was this Monday when everybody's just back to work, I went back through all my business cards and all my new contacts. And I just said, Hey, it was a pleasure meeting you. I hope you got back safe. And I'm looking forward to staying connected. Or if I wanted a follow-up conversation, I would say to me, like, I'd love to jump on a call to learn more about you. And I would say like 90% of people responded to that just because no one really does that. I mean, I didn't get any texts after, I mean, unless nobody really wants to talk to me, but. (laughs) And it's one of those things that you feel like it's so simple. You're like, of course, I'm going to follow up after. But like you said, very, very rarely do people actually do it. And in the conferences that I've been to, I would say it's very mixed. It's very mixed. And I don't know if maybe I just beat them to it because I've heard a lot of people say, when you have these networking events, you should also take the following business day off. I mean, if it's a Thursday, Friday events, just that day after, don't have anything else scheduled and just go through everybody. The best thing to do is that night, really go through and take your notes or put them in your CRM if they're somebody you want to put in there and then just reestablish that contact. I mean, every single day that goes by, they've also met a ton of people. There's a good chance they probably won't remember who you are unless you're like beardy Brandon at Bigger Pockets or, you know, I have tattoos <laughs> all over my arms. So that was my thing. I was like, hey, I'm Justin, the guy with the tattoos all over my arms. But really anything you can do to point themselves out, or maybe you had a beard or, hey, I was the guy with bleach blonde hair or whatever the case may be, or some people were funny hats or little sayings, whatever the case to stand out, anything like that is going to be really awesome for you. And I even had somebody like take a picture of themselves at one of these meetups and then say like, Hey, this is me. And I would literally will always remember this guy because I mean, it wasn't even a good selfie either. I mean, he's a handsome fella, but it wasn't even a good selfie. He's just, Hey, this is me. And then I'm always going to remember him for what he did, you know? And it's just like those little things that stand out. And even like our CEO of the company passinvesting.com, If you haven't heard any of his speeches, I don't want to give it away, but that is one of the things that he harps on is really making you stand out within this space as a group. When you're networking, yeah, taking pictures, and I've had somebody do that to me as well. And I remember her ever since. And it might even be a little bit weird or, hey, why is this person taking a picture and sending it to me? But afterwards, you can't help but say, man, that really worked. (laughs) And then if you're texting them or whatever, you just see it right there. And there's almost no easier way to do it. So yeah, I really like it. Do you have any other tips for just kind of sticking out besides maybe physical characteristics? Uh, Aside from being physically handsome or (laughs) dashingly good looking. No, other than that, just talking and learning about what people are doing and invest in that conversation themselves. Like invest in the person that you're talking with and just be actively listening because I've had people come up to me and it's almost like they're already pitching me and they don't even know who I am. And once I hear somebody trying to pitch me just right away, my mind already shuts off and it's like, okay, like you don't really care about me or interested in what I'm doing. So I'm just not going to return the favor back. Yeah. And you get a lot of those and a lot of events have apps now, right? Download our app, whether it was the best ever app or they have other networking apps that are kind of white labeled. 
And it was the same thing. I got a ton of, they're clearly copy and paste messages, which is not a big deal. And maybe the only reason I know that is because I'm in the marketing space and I have that background, clearly tell what it is, but it was like, let's do deals together. Like DM me back. And it's like, what does that mean? I mean, you have no idea what I even do. Maybe I buy gold or something, you know, and it's it's no goal alignment right there whatsoever. So I would definitely be careful with your quantity strategy is because on one hand you want to connect with a lot of people, but it's kind of tough to do that in a quality way. I a hundred percent agree. And like, to your point, I think it's really easy to pick out like which ones are actually genuine. And like, I've had the same people because I've gone to just multiple conferences, send me the same message and we've already hung out and even gotten drinks. And yeah. it was like, Hey, I'd love to get to know you. I was like, that's your VA. You're not even talking to me. At the yeah. here. <laughs> I've had that with the podcasting space. I don't know if you have, I mean, you're a fellow podcaster, but I've had people quote unquote them reach out and say, Hey, can I be on your show? It's like, man, we're already scheduled. We spoke. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's tough. And I get, you know, the scale and having to yeah. have teams built out, but I would be very mindful of the system because you'd be surprised at how many people will remember you. And that's a good thing that they remember you, but it's also tough to kind of outsource those contacts once they have. And I think this might be like a little bit of a big take too, but the way that they're communicating in the forefront is also how it translates to what the entire company is about as well. And so, I mean, like with how fast they respond to you, how quick they respond to you, or if they're a little bit more standoffish, I feel like you're also going to be able to see that if you do invest with them, or if you end up being partners with them later on. And so it's really telling signs to how people are communicating and where else that bleeds into the rest of their business. Yeah. I have this saying that I really like, and it's not my saying. I stole it from somebody. You know, It's how you do anything is how you do everything. And you just never know what somebody's going to judge you by that one thing. And for some reason, I mean, I probably send hundreds and hundreds of emails a day, maybe thousands a week. And sometimes I'll just remember like, Hey, you know what? Like this guy never responded to me. And it was kind of an important thing. And it's not indicative of that person being good or bad or them doing good or bad work, but For whatever reason, that just stuck out at me. Hey, why did you not respond when it was clearly something that we needed from each other or something like that? So being really, really careful, you just don't know what's going to stick out. You know, what is it going to be? Were you accidentally rude at some point? And that's just kind of the thing that they will always remember. You always have to be conscious of how you come off in every aspect. Yeah. And and granted, like there's not really a perfect way to come off either. And we're all going to vibe with different people and it's just be intentional with your networking. Yeah. And be intentional with your communications. And I think being authentic. For me, I'm a very informal guy. And I actually do a lot of videos on Instagram and TikTok. And it's interesting because friends or family will say, well, shouldn't you dress up a little bit more for these? I'm like, no way. I mean, I just don't. I wear t-shirts pretty much everywhere I go. Brandon Turner, who's at every conference you go to, I mean, that guy is going to wear whatever he wants. And that's just his brand. (laughs) And people like that. So I'm a big fan of that. I don't think we'll ever see me with a tie on. I might have a button up, but Typically, 99 out of 100 times, I'm going to be there in a t-shirt. And you just want to be authentic to yourself. Absolutely. It's funny you say that. I was hosting a podcast, and this was one of my bigger guests, especially early on. And this was the time where I was still living in my parents' house. And my mom was like, no, you need to make sure that you have a professional background. And I just had books in the back. And you can tell that I was just like recording from my room. And my mom was like, you don't want to tell these investors that you're recording a podcast out of your mom's house and you're just living there. Like you're talking to millionaires and I'm just saying like, no mom, like this is me. Like, I'm not going to change that. Like, am I going to pose and say like, Hey, I'm living in a great place right now. I mean, my mom's place (laughs) is fantastic. You know, no disrespect to that, but 
I don't necessarily think that I should be hiding that. It is what it is. I agree. So being authentic is so important. And you weren't lying. And the difference between lying and just not telling the whole truth. I mean, you probably didn't say, hey, my name's Taylor. I live with my mom. But hey, it's not something that we're going to hide <laughs> there. <laughs> that was yeah. my intro to all my guests. Yeah, that's, how you, podcast, stick out. Yeah, that's how you about. stick out. I really like it. So tell us a little bit more uh, about the podcast. And for a lot of the listeners who, you know, I know this is kind of going to be a networking-based episode where a lot of people who are listening are going to be interested in that. How has the podcast influenced your investing journey? Has it been really helpful? Has it been more educational? Have you met partners and investors through that? Tell us about the podcasting space. What made you get into it and kind of what results you've seen so far? Yeah, 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 absolutely. When I started my podcast, Multifamily Artists, so a little bit of background behind the name. So I actually was trying to be a professional hip hop dancer when I was in college and my career went great. I only had one gig and I was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. It was really cool, but I didn't really get paid from that gig. So that was just the catalyst towards me taking control of just like my financial future. And also you really don't make that much money as a professional dancer, even if you go on tour or whatever, but dance was still my passion. And I felt dance was also very similar to learning real estate. It is very uncomfortable at first. You're moving your body in so many different ways. And it comes to a point where you start to find your rhythm. It starts to get a little bit more comfortable and then you start to make sound investments. And so with the multifamily artists, I was so curious to see how people got their start and how they found their rhythm and how they started to create their own sound investments. And after doing some homework, maybe taking a couple of courses, I didn't have the intention with that podcast to raise capital from investors. I mean, there's so many podcasts on real estate and for granted, like there's so many different listeners that are listening to different podcasts as well. And for me, I almost use that as a coaching session. And for me to align myself and have that social currency with all the different people that's come onto my show. And so now that they're talking with me, I'm saying like, hey, I'm surrounded by these people that already made millions on their real estate deals. And I'm talking with them and I'm learning from them. And eventually it's just going to grow into something. So it wasn't necessarily networking on a sense where I'm looking to get more listeners and viewership, but it is such a cool way to invite somebody on and have a conversation because no one else would have had a conversation with me for an hour, unless it was like a podcast. Yeah. I love it. I mean, if somebody once told me, you'll be surprised who will agree to sit and talk with you when you tell them that you're going to record it. And it's been <laughs> so true. You get to learn a ton. So tell us about passiveinvesting.com besides being an incredible domain name. Tell us about <laughs> the company, what you guys do, what you specialize in and great SEO right off the bat. But tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, passinvesting.com. They paid a pretty penny for it. I can't say we were the ones that owned it at first, but now we own it. And so we are a private equity real estate investment firm. We have a billion dollars of assets under management, and we focus on multifamily, self-storage, and we just got into the express car wash business. So our three managing partners consist of Dan Hanford, Danny Randazzo, and Brandon Abbott. So Dan Hanford, he actually started out as a chiropractor. And so he was cracking backs. He ended up hiring other people to crack more backs. And he ended up scaling to four medical clinics debt-free. And after scaling to those medical clinics, he reached a point, and it was a good problem to have, but still a problem nonetheless, 
of paying large tax checks to the government. And so that's why he started out investing into multifamily to find more tax advantage ways to build wealth. Before he even got started as an active operator, he was a passive investor in a number of deals. And even until this day, him and his wife are still investing passively in 50 different deals with 17 different sponsors. And so he's just trying to culminate all of his different experiences as a passive investor, put it into passiveinvesting.com and just create a better experience for our investors. And then Danny Randazzo, he, uh, he was a financial consultant for Deloitte. He's traveling the world and advising different companies on their operations and profitability. But his wife got a little mad that he was just away from home for too much. And so he started <laughs> investing in multifamily in 2013. Finally, was able to quit his job in 2016. He's the one that oversees our underwriting and financial analysis of all of our assets. And then Brandon Abbott, he is the one who comes from a residential and commercial construction background. And he also had experience as a commercial insurance adjuster. So he's the one that has eyes and ears on site. He's able to see risk on site. So he oversees our acquisitions and dispositions of the property. Passinvesting.com itself, we have a full-time team of 30 employees that covers all areas of the business from acquisitions to investor relations to marketing. And so far we have 1,800 passive investors active in our deals with a 65% repeat investor rate. I mean, really creating that hub for the whole experience. And so is it fun style or is it on a syndication style? Yeah. So on the multifamily side, we do syndication and we only focus on suburban class A, class B type of assets. And we never really thought about the fund just because of how large our acquisitions are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the benefits of a fund is diversification and one of our most recent deals that we closed, it was 109 million over Fort Myers. So just like the yeah. fund just has to be gigantic. But on the self-storage side, we have a self-storage fund. So who are the investors who I guess you serve the most? Is it a lot of people who are looking for those tax advantages? Are you more of a cash flow or quick equity multiple type investment strategy? Or what kind of investors should check you out? Yeah, yeah. That is a great question. You know, and actually no one's ever actually asked me this question either because it's a mix, right? It's a mix of either doctors or lawyers or engineers that just want to take their time back, which I feel like is just the ideal investor himself. But then we also have a number of operators too that are looking to diversify into our own deals and learn about what we're doing as well. But in terms of the investors for us, and I guess like on a per deal basis, we do have strong cash flows and then also a strong equity multiple as well, but it's like right in the middle. It's not like one or the other where it's like, oh, this is going to be a huge equity multiple for like a newer development, or this is just going to be strictly cash flowing. We just right in the middle for all of our deals. Yeah. I love the strategy. Love the domain name. Easiest one to remember. Tell us how can people get a hold of you? So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Taylor Koo, last name is CU. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram. I do have some of my dance videos there, but you're going to have to <laughs> dial back just a little bit just to find them. It's Taylor underscore Koo. You can shoot me a text or give me a call at 925-998-4205. I can repeat it again, or you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put all of those in the show notes. Listeners, if you want to get in touch with Taylor, make sure you navigate there and get in touch with your preferred method. I might be leaning towards Instagram. Check out some of those videos. And while you're there, if you haven't already, make sure you download our free eBooks, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Passive Cash Flow 
through multifamily real estate. We also have a case study, a new case study to see what would happen to your investment invested into the stock market versus into multifamily. See links for both of those eBooks in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes of your day with us. And Taylor, thanks for coming on the show. I would love to see that case study too. So we're going to chat afterwards as well. (laughs) Shout out to Justin. Shout out to Perpetual Wealth for having this podcast. You're running a great podcast with a lot of great guests. And it was an honor just being on the show. Appreciate it. Love it. Thank you so much, Taylor. And thank you listeners. We'll see you on the next episode.